So I just talk to the computer like that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Okay, welcome to the Invest in Yourself podcast. This is Charles Bay, and I am very fortunate to have Kevin. Kevin Shi, yes. Kevin Shi with me today, and he's going to be sharing a lot of his background, his amazing story, his rise uh, to being the storage king in Hong Kong, and the different challenges that he's gone through, and, and share with us the times that he's invested in himself. So, Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you Thank for you everything we had to do to get here. Yeah. Um, can you tell our listeners about your background, how you got started, and what was your driving force initially uh, when you started? Well, I, uh, I grew up in Canada. My, I'm originally from Hong Kong. I'm Chinese. Um, after my graduation, my family has a business in, in Hong Kong. So my father was an entrepreneur, my, my grandfather was an entrepreneur, so I thought I was going to take over the family business. By the time I came back, it was in crumbles. Uh, it was a lot of money in debt, uh, and then one of the things that we had was, uh, so I tried to turn around, I tried to help my dad for four or five years, he was doing trading. With the uh, rise of the internet in the uh, late, uh, uh, early 2000, maybe 1999, 2000, I mean, people are trading directly from China, so, so our importance has gone down a lot. So I tried to help him out, didn't work out. Uh, uh, and then we had a factory in, uh, in Hong Kong and then it went bankrupt as well and I changed the uh, uh, vacant place in the self-storage center just to get some additional income. I thought I was going to be an investment banker. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then after that, after that uh, I keep on renting very well. Uh, thanks to the internet, I, I, uh, I researched and then it was uh, a big business in the US called self-storage. So I just decided to go all in and I've been very ambitious in my early years and I invested a lot of self-storage. Uh, that, that's, that, that's how I think the original driving force was to save my family because if I didn't do the right thing, uh, I could not, uh, I, I, my whole family would be bankrupt, right? Wow. So my sister yes. was young, right? And, and the money that my family owes, uh, getting a job wouldn't cut it. So right. I was forced into entrepreneurialism. Yeah. Right. And I was like, actually, that's a good segue because so I was going to ask you, how important was your family and your success? And you just yeah. answered that question. Yeah. You know, you're trying to help your father, you lose a lot yeah. of debt, yeah. um, you know, and so that was something that was uh, very important to you and driving you and, and you couldn't get a job because that wasn't going to be a viable yeah. solution. Um, and then how did how, how important was your family in the process of building? Like, were they very supportive? Like, would they help you with, say, work late hours or things like that? Or was it just kind of you just getting... It was me, but uh, I got to admit, I mean, my father did leave me with the factory, right? So, but the, the factory was underwater. That means we owe the bank more money than the factory was worth at the time. Having said that, we wasn't for the factory, and eventually the real estate upcycle. I was not able to refinance and buy more. So, so my family did help me. Yeah. And so the factory was that manufacturing or? It was uh, manufacturing of plastic bags. Plastic bags. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you're like, you know what? I got to figure this thing out. Got to help my dad get out of this. We have, yeah. He left me in the factory. Yeah. You know, my family. This is so important. Um, you, you, you. Came up with the idea to do the storage units. You realized that there was a big opportunity. It was fastest growing um, for a while in in the U.S. Yeah. When you get into commercial, a, you look at the highest and best use of potential property. Yeah. For a while, the storage units was like really, really a hot market. Yeah. And um, so you're like, you know, the advent of the internet. You're seeing all these opportunities. Yeah. Um, so at at what point did you start to grow? Because at one point you had how many storage units? Sixty six. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, I've been in this business for a long time. It started in 2001. So, and you so just started with one? I started with one and then uh, I read that book from... Uh, no, I was a uh, big fan of Jack Welch. Yes, before, yeah, I have his books. Right, yeah. I guess before before the fall of GE. Uh-huh. And one of his, his thing and motto was uh, be number one or number two or get out of the business, mm-hmm. right? So I always knew that market share matters, market leader. And since it was a new business, if you're the first one to be big, then, then people trust you because of the, the, the brand trust. The size, yes. Right, so... Oh, okay, yes. that's great. So, when you, uh, how did you go from one? T- tell us about how you started. You acquired like your next two units. What was that? The first like? one, I, I was my family's. The second one, this is this is a funny thing. I was full, and then and then uh, and then uh, uh, I saw like a, a flyer on the street that says the, the building next door was up for auction. Mm. It was only for ninety thousand dollars U.S. Right. right, and you were saying that the real estate at the time was very inexpensive yeah, at that time. Yeah, right? $90,000 uh, $90, uh, an auction. And then it was 5,500 square feet, right? So I went there and I said, wow, even if I was renting at my current rate, I would get 20% return on my uh, money and leverage. Wow. That's crazy, right? So so, so I raised my hand just, just <laughs> for fun of it. I had, no, I had about $2,000 US in my pocket. Right. And then I got it. I got I, I I got it at the actual first bid amount, or did you get no no the people bid it up to ninety thousand. Right? Oh, 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 so and, and then nobody started bidding, and then and then and I said, oh, this is still a twenty percent return based on how much I'm charging. Oh, no. So I bid it, and then I was right away escorted by the agents, the real estate agents, mm-hmm. to, 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 to sign a 10% deposit, which is 9,000. So I gave them a, a blank check, mm-hmm. which I didn't have the money. Right. So that night I was, I was really scared. I was, I was like really <laughs> panicking. So I, uh, my mom supported me. She gave me a uh, two, 3,000. And then I borrowed money from my friends and I had two, $3,000 with me. So over, over the course of one night, I was able to scrape around $9,000 from the deposit. And then after I paid the deposit, I had about a, about a month and a half to get a mortgage financing to, to get that. So it was it was a funny fun, funny deal because I, I I bought a property with two thousand dollar US in my pocket, right. and then I was able to hustle and, and and do this and get all the mortgage done. And about seven seven or eight years later, I flipped it for two million US. Wow, yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. So. Talk about return on investment. Yeah, so That's that amazing. Was, that was, well, let me ask you a question too, because on, on the podcast, I like to talk about you know investing in yourself yeah. and talk about the intangibles, right? So here you are, you didn't have the money. Yeah. You knew that based on your calculations of what you're doing on your current uh, storage, that you would still get a 20% return, yeah. but you still raised your hand, right? Yeah. And yeah. so we always have like that nervousness, how is it gonna work? Because it's like, you don't know. Yeah. Um, what, what was your sense of, how did you feel after you won and then after you were able to raise the $9,000, acquire it? I was what did very that do ballsy. To- I, was, I was very ballsy. Yeah, and, did it boost your self-esteem, your self Yes, and I, I took a lot of risk when I was young. Right, right. So, right. so I didn't have any money for construction, so I would just draw lines on the floor. And then when the, when the customer comes in, I said, oh, the construction crew's out for lunch. This is going to be your spot right here. Yeah, why don't, why don't you pre, prepay me a year, wow. I'll give you 20% off. That's and smart. they give me some money and then I build five rooms, so I was hustling. So you were very creative in the process as well. Yeah. Wow, so, I, lo- I love that, I love yeah. that story. <laughs> so when you bought when you bought the second uh, unit, um, it, so you had to build the spaces or was it I, I, had to, I had to build, it was a conversion, it was no factory. It was a conversion. So, okay. so I had to build the conversion. So a lot of your buildings were conversions. Yeah, yeah, so I was doing that and then my third one was a rental. 
uh, back in 2003, there's an event called SARS. Mm -hmm. SARS is like a disease. That I like heard about that in the air. And everybody got killed. Mm -hmm. And then one of my friends, so one thing that I know I'm pretty good at is networking. I always like to meet friends from everywhere. So he was an owner of a, of a big industrial building in that area. So after that disease, nobody goes there, right? So he goes, hey, why don't we rent it to you, the whole building? And I go, oh, sure, right? So number one thing about my business is a monopoly. I see the whole neighborhood, 10 blocks, only one place, the building that I have, that's suitable for uh, mini storage. So all I want to rent that. And then, and then uh, his manager said, oh, what are you doing it for? I said, mini storage. And I said, what's mini storage? They don't even know what self-storage was back then. I said, oh, it's just warehousing, right? So after that, I, uh, uh, so, so they did rent it to me for uh, how much? Uh, 15, 15 cents US per square foot per okay. month. And I rented out for two dollar, no, a dollar eighty. Wow. Yeah. So I was able to twelve x one. Wow. Yeah. You know, and, and that's another great thing too. Um, I'm glad we're having this con this this conversation because um, on the podcast I want to interview people with different walks of lives. But real estate is one of the most important things, and there's so yeah. many, like so. My background is um, I started off as a residential real estate appraiser in New York City. Okay. Okay. And my mentor is. Uh, commercial appraiser, MAI, yeah. almost yeah. an MAI. She's also okay. a tax magistrate in Florida. Okay. Okay. So she has the power to reduce property taxes, which okay. is another strategy with commercial income. Okay. Um, because a lot of people, it's not just about increasing your income. If yeah. you can reduce your expenses, you exactly. also increase your cash flow, right? Exactly. Um, and so I've never even liked, I was never really a big fan of residential because yeah. the decision-making process is so emotional. Yeah. Uh, but I loved commercial because when it was it was about logic and, and the numbers, not yeah. just uh, emotionally being attached to the property. People don't pay you rent for commercial. You kick them out. You feel good, or you don't feel bad because it's just their it's business. Just business right. But if there are families living there and they can't, they got no place to go, mm -hmm. and it's cold, then you feel bad. Right? Yeah, exactly. And another thing is. If the prop residential prices go high, too high, at least in a lot of Asian countries, the government would do things. They would add taxes, they would add ceilings, they would reduce the financing rate mm -hmm. because they want to make look like they're doing something to help the poor people to afford a house. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to uh, commercial building, they don't care. It's more right. laissez fair because it's, it's, it's not for, for living. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's good to interview people that are like business minded because when you do things like residential is just all about being a consumer. And yeah. so you're so limited in, in like how you can buy, how you think. Yeah. But in the commercial aspect, I love commercial real estate because you it's can really flip it around. Yeah. It's you can create so many different things and agreements like you did. Yeah. So I love the story about, you know, how you lease uh, rented at first and then yeah. you saw that you had like a 12x return markup you know, yeah. per cost so, per square foot. Uh, by then I was getting a lot of cash flow and property uh, prices are still very cheap and learning, giving this uh, lesson from my father. So my grandfather left a lot of property from my, to my father and my uncle but they, they want to boost up their company so they keep on selling the property to boost up you know hiring people and doing all these things. That's not that's not uh, sustainable, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, so after I got a lot of cash flow, I started buying property. So I started buying property once, at the beginning, once every three, four months, then every uh, three months. Yeah, were so you buying residential or more no, storage? Different units? storage units. Oh, yeah. okay. So 
The first one was your, your father's that you converted. Yeah. The second one, you got at an auction across the street. Yeah, the third one is a rental. Right. And after that, I got enough cash flow to start buying it. Uh, all, all so the third one you never bought, you just cash flowed it? You no, just no, it. I, 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 I buy I buy with the cash flow from the third one. The third one was a lease. Okay, yeah. okay. But the third right. one was big, it was the whole building. Yeah. Nice, yeah. yeah. Um, so here you are, uh, you're now, now you're trying to buy like every three to four months. Yeah. And you grow from one to what, 66 and eight, how many years, 18 years? 16 years. 16, 16 years, years, right. So I grew up to 40 sites when, uh, this is around 2012, I was 38. So, so I got ambitious, I want to be like a, in Hong Kong, uh, one thing, a uh, fallacy is to go IPO, where they get all the fame, all the recognition, but yes. it's a fallacy because, uh -huh. because uh, you, you don't really get all the benefits from it. And it, there's a lot of people who, who try to scam you out of money. Mm. So, so I try to do that, you know, after three years, uh, two and a half years, I failed and I, I, I spent two, two million dollars. Wow. Yeah. So you're doing really well. You're like, and this, you know, this is so interesting because in the U.S. there's the same type of thing where like no matter how much you have, yeah. there's always a thing like you feel like you have to get more, get yeah. bigger, get bigger, get, you know, get more of whatever it is, right? It's like it's never enough, right? And then so you have a successful business and you're like, you know what, now I want to be really big. I want to do the I would just want to be known. Like, like my father went down on like, Bring fame to family, name, yeah, family exactly. name and everything. Right, and so, I also thought access to the, uh, to the financial market via an IPO would uh, give me more money to buy more properties. If my competitors cannot, mm -hmm. then I win. But that was that was a policy because my company was too small. Even if I IPO, I cannot get it. Uh, I cannot uh, raise enough cash to buy property. So, but again, nobody would tell you that. They just right. well, they just, just take just your money. Pay me. I, they I'm know ahead of time that you're not exactly your position, right. Exactly. Um, and then so here you are. You spent over two million dollars US, and yeah. then your IPO failed. Yeah. Um, now you had several different uh, downfalls or tragedies that happened yeah. to you, right? Tell yeah. us about that. So the first one was my family, right? Like how, how we went almost went bankrupt. Mm -hmm. uh, the second one was this. This is not so much of a downfall, but it was uh, it was it was very uh, it was very humbling. It spent a lot of money, and uh, and I had to agree to a lot of things. It's like you know, like you're doing business, you're fine, and suddenly you want IPO, so you know all your vendors, your suppliers, your bankers, your landlords to sign some things with you. And then I don't know how it is in the West, but. Once people see that you, they, you need them, they got you, but uh, you know. It's the same in the West. Yeah, and, 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 and they, they start to extort you. Like, yes. they can be normal friends, right? Yes. And then, oh, I need you to sign something so I can, oh, in that case, I need like $5,000 from you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's the same. They might be doing it a little bit differently. And I'm actually, I'm actually going to be doing a course online called Commerce is War. Okay. Um, talking about these different little things that, okay. you know, because we're taught a lot of times, like, in business, like, like based on morals and all this stuff, but when you really get into like business yeah. and you look at it on a, a political scale or worldwide scale, you know, it's warfare. You know, yeah. there's a book called The Economic Hitman and he worked for the US and he would go to other countries and his thing was to, to trick these countries into borrowing money that they knew they couldn't repay back. Oh, really? So that once they got into so much debt yeah. that they could take over. Okay. And he was literally, he was, his book's called Economic Hitman. So he's representing the government? Yes, okay. in the banks. Okay. To, to put these countries into debt to take them over. Okay. So, you know, but we do this in, even in our family and friends, yeah. you know, it's like... Oh, I lost all oh, our friends. Oh, yeah, you know, we're, your family can't do that, or you're my good friend, like, you yeah. know. And so what the people do is they try to manipulate you through your emotions yeah. towards them, right? And so, yeah. again, this is another form of the yeah. warfare. So, but that's, that's, that's the thing I, I, I learned about 
being rich and being free. Mm. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, if you're gonna IPO and then you need all these guys to sign and then you have independent auditor coming after you and you can't say the wrong thing to to uh, in the press or right. in the media. What's the point of having so much money, man? Right, exactly. Right? You put yourself so, in just yeah. a bigger, fancier cage. Exactly. Right? Wow. Um, okay, so that was two. Did we get you the third one? So yeah, so after that, I was furious because I, I had real estate, I had a brand, I was the biggest. How come you didn't like, let me IPO? Uh, so I, I met a mentor in the US. Uh, he was the director of extra space and marketing and data. So he taught me a lot of tricks because of my size. I was able to extra uh, uh, utilize a lot of big data analytics to find most high lifetime value customers. For example, storage falls in the power locker. So not everybody's the same. Some customers will stay with you for 10 years. Every price increase, they accept. Some customers only for renovation, they only stay for two, three months. So by knowing that difference, I'm able to get all the best customers and leave to scrap to my, uh, to, to, to my competitors. Mm. Having do that, I was able to increase my revenue and my size by 80% wow. in two and a half years. Wow. So again, I, it wasn't money that I need to spend. And I was taking a lot of risk because I was expanding a lot. I was, I was leveraging a lot. And you had the cash flow to do it. Yeah, yeah. But I was still borrowing a lot of money from the bank, right? Okay. And uh, and and it wasn't it wasn't to uh, it was just to prove to the world that I could do it, right? And then uh, I thought I was the top of the world. I'm gonna expand to overseas, Singapore, etc. And then I had a fire. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So wow. that was in June twenty first, two thousand sixteen. And in this fire, there were actually firefighters that were trying to put the fire that lost their lives. And yeah. some families became orphans. Yeah. So it was uh, we had a fire on the twenty first, and then the fire wouldn't stop. Wow. Wouldn't stop, and then you know it went on and on for four days. Wow. And then the and then and then uh, two firemen died. The build at the last day, the building started to crack. And then some surveyor would come on TV and says, oh, this is going to be like a 9-11. We have to blow this building down. I had a guarantee to that building. So if I, if I were, if they were to build that, blow that building down, the landlord would sue me, I would go bankrupt. Wow. Right? So, and then uh, the lawyers were trying to uh, uh, smooth me for money and say, hey, Kevin, this, uh, you're doing, you must have some illegal stuff there that you allow people to put in there. Uh, you better let me represent you, otherwise you're going to go to jail, you know? Right. <laughs> After that, I was cornered. Like the customer stopped paying me rent for a while. So uh, the the, the fire department yeah. was coming with new rules. Basically, I had about sixty-six locations. The, under their new rules, four thirty-five of my locations has to be de- de- demolished and moved. Wow. So under the new 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 uh, new new law, uh, it was not. I cannot physically do storage there. Wow. And then some of them I rent, I don't, I don't own, right? So that basically I just stopped. Yeah, my landlord says, I don't care if you move or not, but you still owe me rent for two years, right? right. So, wow. so I was the, the new law with the fire department, the customer doesn't pay me rent, the banks were coming after me, hey man, can you pay me us back the debts, you know? Yeah. And, then, and then the catalyst is the media. Media would sneak into one of my storage as a, as a customer and say, hey, uh, can I rent a storage? And then you say, uh, uh, oh, can I put some flammable goods there? And then you say, and then what if one of my staff says, okay, I, uh, the boss don't, doesn't let it, but but make it quick. I gotta I gotta close shop. Uh, they would film it and put it on, oh, and then the, the the cycle will continues. Wow. Yeah. So with all this pressure, you know, with the fire department, the attorneys, uh, yeah. you know, you got the media sneaking in and doing all this stuff. How how did that affect 
like what was going on inside your, your head in, in your mind like how are you handling all this pressure in, in this uh, well first of all you gotta one 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 of my friends said something like uh, really because i was under a lot of pressure he goes uh, he goes let's be cool and think about two things one this is not a criminal case against you Right, and I checked with the lawyers. The guy was trying to scare me. Right, right. it wasn't criminal. It was, a, it was an accident. Right? right, I didn't set a fire. Right, so you don't have criminal. And number two, make sure you have enough cash flow in the coming years to fight up everything. Right, I learned from my dad how not having cash flow affects you. So I start right away. I start selling my, my properties okay. like really really quick. Uh, the first one I gave a ten percent off market price. The second one maybe five, and then. I was nice to a lot of the agents, and then and then and then and then I was able to sell at market price, right? So I sold a lot of my properties, and uh, two two people really affected me a lot uh, during the whole crisis. Well, three three things. One thing is uh, uh, two people really affected me. One one person is Johnny's partner Sam in Invest Like a Boss. Have you heard of that podcast? Yeah. I yeah. Have. So he's an investor in my storage as well. Okay. He really pulled through during the time of the crisis. We're supposed to invest. This is lawyer telling me not to invest, and he invested anyways. Right. So, so, uh, so he really like I, I follow him on Facebook, and then you see him, you know, traveling the world and exploring different stuff. And then you think life is not about making how much money you have. I mean, it's good up to a certain point, but there's so much different things about life I haven't seen. Right. And, and you know, I've I've given so much for this business. I mean, it, it was good. The way I see it is, I'm an athlete. Okay. If there wasn't fire, I would probably continue to push because I really want to see how far I can go. But after after like two incidents, I, I break my leg and all that. I can't run anymore, man. I mean, what's the point of me doing it, right? right and right. there's so much things other than to do business. Exactly. So I started doing all these uh, bucket list stuff with them. I, I did the bull run with Sam uh, two oh, months ago. Yeah, yeah. We were, we walked across Ireland. Uh, we walked around Koh Samui. We're going to Siberia. Amazing. So yeah, yeah, so we're doing all these things. And another friend that I have, uh, he's uh, he's about two years older than me. He's forty-seven. Hit him and his groups, and then I know him pretty well. He he full-time invests because I used to invest in properties in storage, and he invests in property in storage. Then he moved on to other things like REITs and all that, right? And then I find out he makes ninety to ninety-five percent of what I make. Yeah, just by investing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what the, fuck? what the heck, you know? I'm doing all this. Sure, I'm the biggest, right. but I'm not the most profitable, mm-hmm. right? And then and I find out, yeah, yeah, I have all these headcounts, I have all these landlords, I can't say this and that on the, in the media. And then this guy doesn't do anything, he doesn't even go to work. He hasn't been right? Yeah, and he makes 90% of what I make, right? right? So having Sam and that really changed my... And what I realized was there was an actual ceiling to what I, how much I can achieve with storage in Hong Kong. I had 66, I was still making money, but it was diminishing marginal returns because it was, it was pretty saturated. So every additional site I, I opened, I would make lesser and lesser money. And then, but people would tell me, he would tell me that, hey, stop investing in storage. Why don't you buy this REIT? Mm-hmm. Hey man, I'm storage king. Right. I'm not going to invest in the stock market with you, right? So right. I, I framed myself as this person, right? And, and, and then now, so I, I really, you know, so, so those are some of the findings I have. Incredible, incredible. And yeah. so Johnny and his partner kind of inspired you to start traveling more. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, I wanted to get in there too. So how important is health and wellness uh, to you now as a priority in your life? Oh, it is. It's very, it's, 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 it's been very important for me since, uh, since uh, 
since the fire, I guess. I mean, I mean, as I get older, I'm not young anymore. I'm 45, mm -hmm. so I used to drink a lot. Okay. Uh, uh, so I don't. Uh, I try to reduce my drinking, and it's not because oh, I just wake up one day that oh, I should stop drinking. You know, I had gout. I don't even know gout. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I had yeah. gout three times. Oh wow. So, okay. so I don't want that. And then is 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 that and. And, and I just don't want to stress. I mean, I had so much stress with, with the three crises that I had already. Right. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, you look back and, and coming through, through these, the last crisis, I, I'm lucky to say, uh, right now I'm in a position where I, I have more financial assets and income than before after three and a half years. Wow. Because I was able to reinvest it in, in REITs and all that and, and I was able to cut costs in my company. And so right? you were able to adapt and be flexible too. Yes. Which is yes. very important. I think, you know, I think part yes. of that you learned from your father. Yes. You took that. Yeah. Um, that's been, it sounds like that's been a big part of your success. Yeah. How was the stress on your, your, your immediate family, like your wife and your kids, when you're going through all that and you're drinking and all that stuff? Did, did you notice that that was negatively impacting the relationship with your, your family your, in the household? Yeah, well, uh, because I'm quite, quite famous in Hong Kong, the media would always come and try to knock the door and interview my wife. And, and would you your know, kids get made fun of at school? They, no, 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 they, no, they, they, yeah, and then, and then my teacher knows about, about my kid and me and all that. I think over the years, because there wasn't any prosecution about me and it was an accident, and I do help a lot of youngsters in mentoring them in their entrepreneurism. Uh, a lot, a lot of my, a lot of people start to gain back trust with me, in a sense that if they see me on the street, they're not gonna yell at me. I go to firemen because a, I was never prosecuted, right? And b, and 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 b, I help a lot of people, and people know it. Right? So yeah. Great. So since you've made health and wellness a priority, how have you yep. noticed that as a positive impact with your, your family relationship? And it's been good. Yeah. It's been good. Uh, uh, I tell you, I mean, getting married, like, despite all the uh, chain and bell, it's been good <laughs> because I, I'm one of those guys that really can't control their drinking. Ooh, right? So it's kind of have grounded you? Huh? It's grounded you being married? Yeah, so like my wife's giving me black face if I go out too much. And, yeah. And, and it's good, right? And, and having storage is a passive income business, right? So, so even if I sit here, I still collect rent, right? right so, right. right. So, yeah. Great. Um, so, uh, you guys are actually looking at buying some property, or you're in the process of buying some property out here in Bali, is that right? I bought a property already, property. On, uh, probably around Christmas last year. So okay. we're renovating it in Chenggu. Okay. So it's a villa. Nice. Yeah, so we hope. And this is going to be a summer home for you guys? Summer home, and we're probably going to do some Airbnb uh, when we're not here. Maybe do some retreat and masterminds with nice. our friends. Yeah. yeah, this is the perfect place for that. Yeah. Actually, we Chung met. Is pretty good, huh? Yeah, and we met at the mastermind. Yeah. So we met at the big forum uh, yeah. a couple of days ago at the tropical digital yeah. nomad. The big forum was amazing. Uh, 16. So all those guys stays in, uh, in Bali for good, huh? Um, they're nomads, I mean, but yeah, at least they stay for like a, a lot few of months, more, right? Exactly, yeah. They're okay. going to stay here for six months, a year. Some people own businesses here. Okay. Some people have been coming back here for eight, 10, 12, okay. 15 years and stuff like okay. that. Um, so that's one of the things I love about Chenggu. I haven't spent too much time in Ubud yet, but um, from what I, when I first got here, people were saying like Chenggu is more for good for networking. Yeah. Ubud is more like a spiritual center. Ubud? Ubud. Ubud. Okay, where's that? Uh, it's like probably like 30 minutes okay. uh, north. Okay. Uh, Ubud is um, another popular area, okay. and then if you go way, way north, uh, like less waterfall, it's, it's more quiet. Yeah. Which I like it more quiet. Yeah. Um, so it's real peaceful, real quiet, a, a, 
up north against the Bali Sea in Terra Loma. Okay. Which is really nice. Um, okay, great. So, um, has what's one thing you wish you would have known when you began your career? Uh, I would. I would say I would say uh, think long term. Don't rush into things. If we're an IPO, I would slowly get all those signatures before I start an IPO. Okay. Right. So I can yes. get blackmail. Right. Uh, think clearly to a lot of things. I mean, sure, the fire wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't my fault, but the way I structured the company was I did it too haphazardly, mm-hmm. and, and, and it became like a domino effect. If I were to uh, if I were to uh, Put my company in silos, and if this one falls, the other one still be intact. They want to make my contract more bulletproof. So these are these are things that it's not really additional cost to my business. So it's not a trade off, right? Mm-hmm. But I was just I wasn't thinking too carefully. I was yeah. rushing into things. Yeah. And this is where a lot of times having a really experienced mentor comes in. Yeah. You know, so do you really do you recommend people get mentors? Of course. Do you do mentorships. For- uh, I do mentorship for a lot of uh, young people. But what I would say is. Not only get a mentor for, especially people my age, uh, not only get a mentor for uh, with an old, older, more experienced, uh, uh, famous, uh, a successful person, but get a mentor, learn from kids. Exactly. Because uh, they know the, the way of managing know. other kids, the way of using technology, I'm pretty sure a lot of people our age mm-hmm. or people older than you doesn't know. And the, right. the world's changing so fast. I love that. Yeah, That's so, so true. And yeah. I just interviewed Danielle, um, and she's you know 25, but amazingly sharp, witty, knows all about the apps and technology. Yeah. Um, and, and so I love that you said that because now it's more like learn from the youth when it yeah. comes to small things. Well, yeah, yeah, as well, yeah. not just yeah. the elders, but the youth yeah. as well. And this is the, this is the this is the thing that people say to me: as you get older, you would have more older friends and younger friends. But you wouldn't, as, and especially when you become more successful, but you wouldn't have a lot of friends your same age. Because people like to compare, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> right. So they'll still stay friends with you, but you know, you're not, you, you know, you kind of distance from you, right? So. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> you know, and I talk about that as well um, throughout the podcast about you know investing in yourself is a form of loving yourself, right? Yeah. And what happens is, you know, we have this, these terms now, like you know, people are haters and they hate on you and all that stuff. Yeah. But what I after meditation on it, I realized that. What happens is when people are in your proximity, you know, if they see you or if they feel like they're on the same level, and you start to invest in yourself, you know, you start reading, you start developing yourself, you start growing, yeah. and then they start to see you transform in front of yourself. What ends up happening is because they you're, they feel like they're on the same level, it makes yeah. them look in the mirror. Yeah. Then they have to say, wait a minute, if we're on yeah. the same level and this person is growing in front of me, yeah. why am I not doing that? Yeah. And instead of saying, you know what, I want to believe in myself, I'm going to invest in myself, they project the energy out to the person yeah. and like, oh, look at this person, but it's really the fact that they don't want to do the work of themselves yeah. and you growing in front of them makes them look in the mirror, right? Yeah. It kind um, of motivates them. Hmm? It kind of motivates them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what would what advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a career similar to what you were in the storage industry? Uh, find a good banker that will finance you. Uh, right now in Asia, doing self-storage is kind of very competitive, so it's not easy. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think for storage-wise, uh, all because the cash flow is so stable, always go for places that just experience a property crash. 
So via marketing, whatever, you're able to get a lot of diversified mix of stable cash flow and you can ride yourself out of that property crash and, and the property appreciation is the cream of your profit. Mm, yeah. Right, and I think you were saying earlier that one of the things that really helped you out, well, next question. So what are some of the best resources that have, have helped you along the way? And I know you had mentioned you had some friends that were in banking, yeah. you were able to get a lot of lines yeah. of credit and things like that. Yeah, uh, well, digital marketing. Digital I mean, marketing. Uh, mm -hmm. When I first started it, uh, Yahoo was free, Google didn't exist. So uh, everybody was uh, advertising on a yellow page. I was the first guy to have a website, right? Mm. So I was able to always be one step ahead of a lot of people. So you're kind of catching the new waves yeah. that were coming yeah. in. Yeah. That's great. Who are three people who have been the most influential to you? Uh, my professor in uh, uh, my MBA, he's also a, a small shareholder in my company. Mm -hmm. So he uh, taught me a lot of strategies. Uh, my mentor with uh, Scott, uh, the digital marketing data guy that able to take my company to the next level. Okay. And uh, probably Ricky and Sam, I guess. Okay. Yeah, yeah, investing okay. and just traveling. Yeah. Great, great. So now, now that you're focusing more on passive incomes, what 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 are the businesses that you're doing? I know you still have some storage units. Well, I'm, well, I'm still I downsized my company fifty percent, and okay. right now it's profitable. Now I had to downsize because the, the government sued me. If I didn't demolish my sites, they can sue me. Uh, so I'm I'm dragging on these lawsuits okay. as profitable as I can. And you still have what over hundred employees still? Yeah, I, okay. I, I trimmed from one hundred and sixty to one hundred and five. Wow. Right. Okay. So so I still have that. Uh, I'm, I hope to keep that as long as I can mm -hmm. and just move it, but I don't really see it expanded right now. So I'm investing in a, a, a portfolio of bonds and REITs and all that. So, so yeah, that's, that's about it. So it uh, seems like I have nothing to do, but it is, it's a lot of work, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fighting a lawsuit, you know, oh, yeah. doing cost cutting and then learning where to find a good investment. You know? yeah. So now it's like you just find that work-life balance too, you know? Yeah. Um, and I find that this, like, this year has been too much travel, so so I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna slow down this year. Where have you traveled so far this year? Oh, everywhere. I went to Portugal, I went to Spain, I went to... Uh, Were you in Lisbon, Portugal? Yeah. I love Lisbon. Yeah, yeah. I was in Porto as well. Oh, Porto, okay. Yeah. Uh, I was in Singapore a lot, I was in Shanghai, everywhere. Okay. Too much. So, right. so when you're married, you can't travel that much. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So were you you traveling by yourself or you brought your wife? And your uh, Forty percent of the time I travel with my wife, okay. but sometimes by myself as well. So what do you think is a good travel stay put balance for you? I think about seventy five days a year. Seventy five days a year. Okay. All in one shot or like spread no, out? Spread out, but uh, more adventure tours like with Sam, like you know, something memorable I can bring. Yeah, so like people <laughs> like to brag about the Ferrari. Yeah, you know, I like to brag about how I did the bull run, right? Right. right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. How was that? Did you get close to getting run over? No, my friend got smashed in the head uh, on the floor. Yeah. Oh my so he God. got pushed by the guy next door, and then he smashed his head, and then he, he got an Insta 360. Oh So he captured that on, on video. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay, and then he ran the ball again next day. Wow, yeah. wow, amazing. So, um, Kevin, thanks again for taking the time out to be on the podcast. Where can our listeners connect with you online? Is there a website? I think you get your own podcast? Or? Yeah, uh, I have uh, my own podcast called Kevin She mm -hmm. uh, Show. Kevin, uh, K E V I N S H E E uh, Show. You can also find me on Facebook. It's under renovation now. It's probably pack on probably next month. Uh, Kevin She, K E V I N S H E E. Just make a mention that you, you, you heard me on this podcast and I had you. All right. Thanks again, Kevin. All right. Thanks a lot, man. All right.